Thank you. Anyone else? Joy. Well, thank you so much, Joy, and I don't want to cut anyone off. Would you just stand? Uh, Alan, go ahead. Yeah, amen. And uh, won't you just stand once more as you're able as we look at this month's memory verse. This is from Acts 2. 46. I'll read first and then we will read together. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Let's read together. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Acts 2.24 from the New Living Translation. This is the memory verse for this month that we might share meals with great joy and generosity because of who God is and what he has done for us. You may be seated. Yes, please. Yes, and we're very pleased that you are here. Oh, well. Um, as we just think, we are encouraged. And as there are so many prayer requests that get presented and we see the different emails and the different burdens that people carry, we are reminded that God is faithful. Uh, I was able to see Danny Sneed last week uh, before his surgery. He has another surgery um, later this week as well for uh, a heart valve replacement, but uh, he was just giving testimony about how God's been faithful, and he did say uh, he's a little bit nervous. Um, a few years ago, he had a heart attack, and he was in the hospital, and I asked him, like, are you scared? And he's like, well, I wasn't until you just asked me if I should be, so uh, I'm trying to make sure that I don't jump the gun on some of those things, but as he was just sharing about God's faithfulness, and uh, I just wanted to um, share that with you. Some of you may have heard that one of my mom's relatives, which actually makes it one of my relatives, uh, passed away um, this past week, and we just want to pray for the Titus family as well, and for all of those that uh, are just going through life, because growing up isn't all it's cracked up to be, but we do serve a God that loves us. But let us pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are with us, and wherever we go, you are there. 
And Father, we just lift up those in need. We thank you because you care so much. We thank you, God, because you are faithful, you are good, and your love endures forever through the good times, through the bad times, through the rain, the sunshine, and the snowfall. We thank you that you are with us. And Father, for those that are looking at surgeries or funerals or an appointment or a decision, we thank you, Father, because you are already there. May we choose to walk with great courage and obedience, following after you and loving you and being yours because you call us your son, your daughter. We are your children. So, Father, we have great joy because we get to gather together in a place that is filled with your presence. May this school, may this community know that you are a God worth surrendering to, that your salvation would come to them, and we would be encouraged by the new people that you have created us to become. So, Father, we thank you, and it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And we do thank you for your continued giving and tithes and offerings. Uh, Missy Semperbon, who serves as our bookkeeper, she just gave me the online giving report. And I was, well, frankly, I was shocked. I was like, whoa, that's, that's really good, especially for the summer. And we just thank you for your continued giving and tithes and offerings and allowing us to reach out and just be a church that uh, encourages those who do not yet know him. So as I mentioned in the bulletin, there is a um, some fill in the blanks. So if you need a pen, there's pens, there's notebooks, there's things that you can take and give out to encourage others. But uh, we just want to be a church that is faithful. But we don't. I don't want to be a pastor where you listen to and think, oh, that was a nice sermon. But you go home and this afternoon or tomorrow or on Thursday, you're like, hey, I have no idea what the sermon was about. So sometimes for me, writing down notes or different prompts or highlighting scripture helps. So um, that's kind of why I did that. So the uh, bulletins would be taken home, not just left on, on the seats here. But we look at Acts chapter 3, returning to Acts, and I am very grateful for Kenny White filling in two Sundays and then Gerald Hunt when I was away. And I pray for Gerald as they're looking to plan a church uh, in the Waterville area and just some of the different uh, places that God is working. We're just so encouraged that we are part of a larger congregation known as the Big C Church. And um, God is good and he is faithful. But as we look at Acts 3, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. You might think, oh, that's pretty standard. But if you will remember, Dr. Luke wrote this to his friend Theophilus. Peter and John, they're going in pairs. They're going together. It was Dr. Luke writing to his friend Theophilus, which prompts me to remind you of what I shared over and over two months ago. Uh, two months ago. Yeah, I had a month off. It's kind of nice. Uh, two months ago, the importance of community. How do we connect with people? How do we show that we care for each other? Not just for those that we go to church with, but those that we're related to, those that we work with. Is there a connection? Is there chemistry? Some of you that perhaps played on sports teams, you knew you could have great players, athletes, but if you did not have chemistry, it did not always go well. You always tried to take somebody else's role. Perhaps this is the way in band. I don't know. I'm not musical. But maybe if like the lead uh, euphonium player is uh, being usurped by the second uh, euphonium player, it might not sound great. And you don't have community even though you have everybody together. So we want to express that we care for you, that we are working in connection to build community that we would 
learn from, walk with, and invest in people. Who are you learning from? Who are you walking with, investing in? A great way to do that is through a life group, which we start this Wednesday, 7 o'clock via Zoom or at the chapel. We're going through the book, The Sacred Overlap, which we do have a few copies left. We'd love to have you join as you're able, but it is so important that we are learning from, walking with, investing in, because Dr. Luke wrote this book to his friend Theophilus, and in chapter 3, he starts off by saying, Peter and John went to the temple. At times, you have to do hard things alone, but I think God calls us the body of Christ, the family of God, that we could do things together. They went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. They had a prayer request. They went to pray with, to pray for. This is kind of like the uh, learn from, walk with, invest in. There are those that you would present a prayer request for, or present your prayer request, but you might not pray with them. You might pray for somebody, but not necessarily pray with. And this is uh, a reminder of what we can be doing as we get to know one another within the congregation. Who is somebody that you trust, that you know, if I give them a prayer request, then I know they're going to be praying for me. Then who is somebody next to you, in front of you, behind you, maybe not here today, that you would love to pray with, that you get together over coffee, or you just give a text message and say, hey, can you give me a call? I just want to pray with you right now. And then those that you pray for, who are we praying for? Who does our heart break over? Who do we cry when we think if they were to die today, their salvation is unknown, that we would just agonize and pray for their salvation? They met at a three o'clock prayer service. So for you that have a mobile device, that you have a cell phone, that you use that as an alarm, I want to encourage you this week, maybe this month, set an alarm for three o'clock in the afternoon, just three o'clock in the afternoon, it goes off, that you would pray specifically for the Sunday children's ministry and the music ministry here at Living Hope Wesleyan Church that we would be intentional, that we would have a strategy, that we would have a plan, a goal. And it's not, okay, God, you need to bring them, but God, you need to bring them. But I want to intently pray and acknowledge that if you're asking me to lead, if you're wanting me to volunteer, then I'm going to do that, that I'm going to respond in obedience to you, that we would have someone be a part in leading our children's ministry and leading our music ministry. Now, I will admit, I'm pretty excited about having Zach Stevenson next week leading us in live worship and having refreshments and a brunch to follow. But I do think that within our congregation, there are those that God would have lead, step into that role, that he would have those outside these walls, that they might be interested in following Jesus. So at three o'clock, set your alarm each day this week. Now, it's not going to be like homework where I come and check in on you or uh, follow up. I just think it would be kind of something nice that we could do as a congregation, saying that we are intently praying specifically for workers in the harvest, that they would be co-laborers with Jesus, that we would be led in music worship, that we would be led in our children's ministry. And so set your alarm for 3 o'clock each day this week, and let's pray for those that God would have lead our music ministry and Sunday children's ministry. Because I'm reminded of Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. This is not 
the prosperity gospel, which some have referred to, where if you keep asking for a million dollars, God's going to give you a million dollars. If you keep asking for a brand new Mercedes, God's going to give you a brand new Mercedes. Kathy, Bruce, did you guys get a Mercedes, your new vehicle? I guess it's none of my business, but it's not where we keep asking for something for us, but it's for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. The door that brings salvation. God's will to be accomplished here on earth as it is in heaven. That's what they are instructed to ask for. That's what we are instructed to keep knocking for, is God's will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. God's will to be done here in Living Hope Wesleyan Church as he ordained it before time to be, that we would be obedient and show him. So keep on asking, seeking, and knocking. Maybe there's another request that you have besides this local church that you would like to share with somebody. You can email them. You can text them. You can call them. You can even talk to them after service and say, hey, I don't know if I've ever met you, but it seems like God prompted me to ask if you'd pray with me this week, pray for me this week. I have a request and it seems big and I don't want to share it with somebody I know because it seems embarrassing. But as the family of God, I want you to press in and pray with me as I continue to ask, to seek, to knock, as I continue to believe by faith that God is going to make a way, that God's going to make it happen. I don't want to just try once to give up. I want to just over and over trust that God is able. Peter and John went to the temple. Put in your name and someone other than your spouse. I know your spouse is great. My dad always said like, well, it's me and mama and that's good enough. And that's most likely probably pretty good, but sometimes it's not all that you need. So put in your name and then a name of someone other than your spouse. Who can you go and pray with, pray for, present a prayer request to. As they approached the temple, a layman from birth was being carried in. This reminds me of another story of a guy that was being carried to Jesus by his friends. He was being carried in. I go back to putting myself in the story and slowing things down because sometimes I listen to podcasts so fast or talk so quickly that I miss over things because I know the point. I know the outcome. I know the finish. So I just want to do my due diligence. I read the Bible today and I just want to get done. But when I slow things down, who carried this man? Who was there for him? Who saw that he was lame from birth and that he needed to go? Who was there for him? Was it a relative? Was it a friend? Was it just somebody he hired to bring him in? Who carried this lame man in? Because each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Who carried him in. Who presented Jesus to you? Who lived God in such a way where you felt like, ah, maybe I should go to church, or maybe it was a camp meeting, or a retreat, or a Bible study, or a small group? Who invested in you? Who are you inviting to be a part of what God is doing in and through this church? Who would God have us declare his goodness to? He was being carried in by whom for what purpose? Was it just, hey, uh, I'm just going to drop you off? I probably shared before, but there was a church that uh, I went to and the pastor said, you get them here and I'll get them saved. 
And this is not the uh, priority of what Jesus told the local church to do and to be. It's not get them here and the pastor gets them saved. It's get them here so we can fellowship and encourage one another. Why do you invite people? Would it be so they say a sinner's prayer? So you have somebody to sit next to during the worship service. So you have somebody to go to lunch after following church. Why do we invite people to church? Is it because we care about their souls? We care about their family. We care about God's plan for their life, that they might be used of him in a way that they never imagined. You might say, I'm never going to be evangelist. I hate public speaking. I'm never going to be used of God in some traditional way. And I feel, according to scripture, looking at all those characters in the Bible, God does not have the traditional way to lead someone to the Lord. He says, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. So let God create that hunger for us. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked him for some money. Sometimes this is what pastors are known for. Hey, I see you there. Hey, the offering bags are there and there's one there. And if you forget, you can give online. If you forget that, we have a mailing address. And he asked them for some money. That was his purpose. That's what he thought would give him survival. That's what this lame man, this crippled guy thought his reason for living was, I just need to get some money so I can live. He did not see or perceive that God might have a bigger plan for his life. You might just think, hey, I go to work. I open the door. I push the bell cart. I say hi to a couple people. Like, this is what I'm destined to do. This is what I do uh, Mondays and Fridays at Top Notch Resort. You just smile and open the door. And a uh, funny story uh, for me, I guess. Um, I was Perhaps I share this, apologize if I repeat. It's kind of a humble brag, so uh, you can pat me on the back or you can shake your head either way. But uh, So I work uh, Mondays and Fridays. So this guest came in Friday, and then they left on uh, Monday. And so uh, she gave me a $10 tip, and I thought it was just for opening the door. I never held the help with bags or anything else. And she's like, well, I want to tip you because you always had a smile on your face. And I'm like... Oh, I'm glad I kept smiling because like there are points in this where I was really bored. I just wanted to sit down. But I just just believe that as Christians, God is in us and he loves us and he gives us a caring for others that we would care for others. And hopefully, prayerfully, just through a simple smile, through a $10 tip, it's an acknowledgement like, man, God created us for more than just asking for money. God created us for more than just doing your job. God created us to show him to the lost that they might know his salvation. Peter and John looked at him intently. Peter said, look at us. Look at us. So you're asking me for money. Look at us. Like I really wanted to wear, like I don't have barn clothes and just say I did. I'd be like, look at me. I've been like working. Not that I work real hard anyway, but just say like I had work clothes on and like, look, man, I'm a hardworking guy. Like everything that I get is going into selling. I don't look like I have money. Look at us. They looked at him intently. If somebody asks you a question, do you see them? I remember going to New York City. I went with uh, Joy and Tennyson's son. We shaved our heads, which was a bad idea for uh, New York City. And I was a youth pastor. I thought, oh, this is good bonding. But um, a bunch of 
Well, white guys from Vermont going to the inner city with shaved heads, it was probably a really, really bad look. But um, uh, you would go in the inner city and there would be people asking for money. There'd be people that would ask for things. And we were told like, don't make eye contact, just keep going. Especially with shaved heads, you don't want to make, and so just keep going. But Peter and John, they looked intently to this person asking, how many times have you been at your job or been at a family reunion or been at a place where somebody's asking you a question and you're like, oh, I do not have the time for them today. Or if I start listening, this is going to be not a two-minute conversation. This is going to take me away from my relatives that I really want to see. But Peter and John looked at them intently and said, look at us. Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. Now, if you really read into this, Peter and John probably had a little bit of coin, something in their pocket. They had money, but that was not the purpose of this encounter. It was not just to give them a little bit of money, but it was for a greater purpose. He was eagerly expecting some money. He thought because he was there begging that his only purpose was to get money, that all he wanted was to get a little bit of money, that he really wanted these people to give him money. And when they made eye contact, he said, that's the hook. This is my sales pitch. This is what I'm going to close in on. I'm going to get money. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. I, I, I don't have money, but what I do have, this is all I know that has given me meaning in life. This has given me salvation. This is something that God wants me to share with you. This is something that my whole life's destiny now is about presenting Jesus. So in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What I do have that matters is Jesus. You could write a check, you could volunteer, you can help out, but if people don't know you do it because of Jesus, then, hey, you're a good person. There was something that took place a little while ago, and I have to speak carefully about it, by something that I've heard before, where they were doing a, a giveaway at a local school, and uh, the school people just thought, hey, this is what we need, this is really great. But there is no connection to, we do this because Jesus cares about your child. We do this because God loves you. We do this, it's more like, yeah, you guys should be giving us stuff because we deserve it. Instead of, no, we're trying to present the hope of Jesus to you in a practical way. Now, you don't have to go into a long diatribe and a big sermon about that, but we do things because of Jesus, because that is what matters. Jesus is the only thing that matters. He said, I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And this is not Peter saying, look at me. I have such uh, gravitas. I am so close to God. This is more because of what Jesus has done in my life, because he saved me. I know he can save you as well. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As we read the call to worship, what does Jesus do? He takes us by the right hand. Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. It was not just, hey, I'm going to pray for you that you would be healed. I'm just going to drop you off so you can hear about Jesus. But I'm not just going to go to the prayer service with you, but I'm going to spend time. Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the miracle happened. 
Sometimes God calls us to do a little bit more than just say, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm inviting you here. But he wants us to sit at a meal and be generous and be filled with joy because God is there. And as he did it, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Peter helped him up. Someone carried him in, but Peter helped him that we would be a church, that we would be known for helping people up, that we would not just be known for, hey, we're a road sign saying, hey, there's hell, don't go there, but we would be a roadblock and we would jump in front, we would do everything possible that we could do, not to say, hey, there's a hell, don't go there, but we would jump in front and say, stop, there's a better way, there's a God that loves you, there's salvation that's here, there's something that's different because God changed my life, I know he can change yours. So it's not just about money, it's not just about the American dream, it's not just about what people tell you is going to give you joy, but it's about Jesus changing your life. You can get up and walk, and I'm not just going to shout from the rooftops at you and spit all over you, but I'm going to take the time to help you up and walk with me to know who Jesus is. Then, as you can imagine, he jumped up, stood on his feet, began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went to the temple with them. Walking, leaping, and praising God, he went to the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God, verse 9. So we go back to Acts 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the promise that Jesus gave actually happening. This is something that you've heard about, you've dreamt about, you've hoped for, you thought, what if this could be so amazing if this were just true, if it's not just a fairy tale, if it's not just somebody on Sundays just telling us that this is real, this is something we can experience. And Peter got to see this crippled guy walk because of the power of Jesus, and not just walk, but telling people about him, Jesus, everywhere. When they realized he was a lame beggar and they had seen, that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. I don't know for you, and for me, I'm really fortunate. I mean, I don't think there's any or many relatives that would say, whoa, Jeff's a pastor? Like, after all the things he did, now they would say, Jeff's a pastor. Like, he couldn't even read the color-by-number pages when he was a kid. Like, there's some of that, but, like, Jeff's a pastor. But what if there's people in your family that they realize, you're a Christian? How did that happen? Like, no way. Or I can't wait till I watch you fall. Or there's no way you're going to sustain it. Or that can never be. And they were astounded that this lame guy that just begged for money, he was actually walking and he was praising God. Maybe, and I am reading somewhat into this, perhaps if he was human, which he was, this crippled guy blamed God. He was bitter at God. Like, why do I have to beg? Why do my feet not work? Why, God? I cannot. He became bitter towards God. And now he's praising God? There's such a change that happened in his life that they were astounded. Maybe for you, you are nervous that people would find out that you have truly been changed by who Jesus is, what God has done, that it is different now. And yes, you can look back at my past and I fully admit I made mistakes. I sinned. There were things that were just disgusting and terrible. But because of God's forgiveness, because of his hope, I can walk now differently and you will be astounded by Jesus 
in me. He realized who he was, and they were absolutely astounded. Not who he is, but he was. Not what you were, but who you are now. God says you are made new. You are a new creation. You are forgiven. God even calls us holy, and we don't even believe in saints. So you are a saint according to Scripture. You are loved by God. You are changed. You are different. Be known for that. They were astounded more by the change than remembered for what he was. It was not like, no, you're just the lame guy running up and down. But no, you're a guy that, man, you're different. You are different, that people would know us as being different, that the school would not see us as just another civic organization meeting or gathering here, that people in their community would not just say, you're some religious fanatic, you're just some uh, person on a power trip, but they would know and see that we care about them, that we offer them hope, that we would make time to look at them intently, to reach out and help them up, that we would be there not just to carry people in, but that we would help them up. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. This is where, uh, practically speaking, Christianity can be difficult. You lead someone to Jesus, and you reach out and you help them up, and they're praising God, and they're so excited, but they feel as though, which is somewhat appropriate, that that spiritual miracle came because of you. And that's where pride can set in. It's like, keep holding my arm. Keep holding on tightly because, hey, God used me. He's going to use me again. Instead of having people as cliche or goofy as it sounds, giving their hand to God's hand. So they aren't looking at you, and we're filled with pride. So they aren't looking at you and say, hey, you are awesome. I want to be like you. But you just point them to Jesus. You point them to the salvation that only comes from God. There was a man, and he held tightly to Peter and John for a while. But he had to learn to hold tightly to Jesus, the one that healed him, the one that saved him, the one that loves us, the one that calls us to not just be a road sign hey there's hell don't go there but to be a roadblock and get in front and everything we can do without sitting let's do it to point people to the salvation of god because if you would open your eyes and look around and take inventory there are people that have been carried in all around us that need the salvation of god whether it's working at top notch, whether it's working at a local school, whether it's being retired or going out to eat or sitting at the wayside, whatever it is, there are people all around you that have proverbially been carried in that we might look at them intently and share Jesus, the lover of their soul, their savior with them. So as we close, I'm just going to invite you to stand as we close in prayer. And I ask that you would set the alarm for 3 o'clock each afternoon this week that we'd be praying for this local church, the music ministry and children's ministry here, but also that God might reveal to us who we need to look intently at, that we might grab their right hand and help them up, that they would know Jesus and we would be quick 
to give them over to Jesus and not bear their burdens on us, but let God do what he does. So Jesus, we thank you that you provide a way. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you that you care about our physical healing and our spiritual healing. Father, we thank you that you present people to us all the time. But may we not be so busy that we overlook, that we bypass, that we neglect the miracle that you would like to use us in to see people come to know you. So, Father, we dare say we love you. We certainly thank you for loving us. Fill us, use us, that we might overflow. And even if it's a smile, that people would see you and not us. So, Father, we thank you. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And you are dismissed. This closing song is a long song, so it's just meant to play as we pick up and are dismissed.